out. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. Absolutely. And no, no. We're a huge hockey fan. So we have, we have a lot on the agenda, but, um, but how have you been, what have you been up to lately? Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a Canadian small town guy. So, you know, we were on the road a lot this year, uh, you know, two trips to the, to Europe and all over the U S and Canada, um, and so, you know, we wound down, uh, and you know, I'm an outdoorsman, so it's been hunting and, uh, you know, I, up here we have to, you know, winterize all the things that we love, you know, <laughs> I love the summer and, and, you know, being by the water and all that kind of stuff and bo- boating and all, you know, all the things that you need to put away when the ice comes. So that's what I've been doing. That sounds good. Where, where boats to your cottage? Uh, so I'm about uh, two hours northeast of Toronto. Um, so I'm in an area Talk where you know, it's, it's, it's close to there, just a little bit east of there. Uh, it's nice. It's, you know, you can get to the lake and just have that serenity, but I'm still, you know, an hour to the airport because, you know, I do travel. I don't know if I travel as much as Niner, but I travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you're, I'm sure your seats are better than my seats. So let yeah, me tell right. you. <laughs> yeah, on the plane, maybe not the events. That's true. Uh, That's you true. and Niner go back a long way too, huh? Tell, tell us about how you guys met and uh, where that started up. So we have a mutual friend, Brad Lukowicz, who's uh, you know he's been really, really tight with us, and uh, um, you know um, Lukowicz, we go back to you know he won the cup with with Tampa Bay, and we had played a, we played a show in San Jose, California, and we had a couple of days off. Our bus driver was a huge hockey fan and Luke was having his Stanley cup party in Cranbrook, British Columbia, which is obviously Canada. Um, so we, you know, this is when we were young and I don't know, full of piss and vinegar. Uh, now I think we're just full of piss, but uh, <laughs> we decided to drive from San Jose to Cranbrook, BC in time to make it for Luke's cup party. Um, we got hassled at the border for hours. By the time we got there, everybody was drunk, if not passed out. Um, the the guy that you know, there's a there's a guy that travels with the Stanley Cup, as we know. He was so exhausted. Um, he was actually happy for us to take the cup, and and we took it on our bus, and we were able to like read the cup. And you know, he said two things. He said, "No illicit drugs near the cup," and "No photos of the cup with any illicit drugs." Other than that, you know, <laughs> have a beer out of the cup. So that's that was like a highlight of really when we got tight with Lukowicz was that you know we took the cup off his hands for a couple hours. That's awesome. So I mean, well, that's Niner, how you, you met him on that trip. I, I was not. I probably had a UFC show to do actually, but uh, I was actually living with Brad at the time. Um, so uh, we had we had good times, and uh, I was able to celebrate his Dallas Cup party with him, uh, but not the Tampa one. But uh, you know, and like Neil said, we go way back and every time I'm uh, up in Toronto, which I'll actually be there next month and, and Neil and the band are going to come to uh, the UFC fight there. But uh, their studio is also there. So I've been a- able to uh, go into the studio when they were doing some recordings and kind of watch how everything happens. And it's it's a really cool, neat uh, background feature to be able to see that and how it works. But oh, yeah. I know you guys are exhausted. We, we actually just saw you uh, probably about a month, month and a half ago. You guys came through Phoenix and then down to Dallas. And I was actually yeah. honored enough to go to both those concerts. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we were, uh, we were going. Uh, we had, I think we hit 27 cities on that tour. And uh, wow. it, was, it was nice to see Craig out for a couple of the shows. And uh, yeah, the last time before that we had hung out was, uh, you know, we actually did, went to a USC fight together. Uh, it was in Toronto as well. And that was when uh, uh, 
Bones Jones was fighting, to my knowledge. I, I, I yep. was at that fight. That was, yep. um, yeah, yeah, that was incredible. So we're, I'm stoked to go again, you know, and have the expert sitting beside me. <laughs> I would I'm like not that talking too. about me, Niner, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you can attend a hockey game with the expert panger with you. So, because I know you're a huge, so you're a big hockey fan. Was it always the Toronto Maple Leafs for you? Or yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was at the game with my son against the Panthers the other night. Oh, nice. Um, and, and that was when they, they called back the, the shootout goal. Yep. And yep. Uh, so, you know, I was – my son and I were one of the many who uh, said, oh, it's over. We got up and we walked out. And, uh, you know, I, I used the restroom and my son was out there. And he could hear all these people yelling by the time I came out. He's like, Dad, we won. I'm like, what are you talking about we won? So, yeah. <laughs> Bad timing for the bathroom break. <laughs> yeah, we were celebrating in the, on the way out anyway. So it was Nice, nice. Do you get recognized at games? Is it kind of like hard for you to uh it, to them? In Toronto it does happen, but uh, but people are, are respectful and, and yeah. cool, you know. Um, I think that it's, you know, we, we're we're pretty humble Canadian guys. So I think, you know, we, we don't take that thing for granted. It means that business is good, I suppose. <laughs> for sure. Take me back Let to the me... early days of, of, of Three Days Grace. I want to know, like, how, you know, were you always into music and always a drummer? And did you just really want to, you know, find a band and create a band? Or take me through the early days of how you created this band. Uh, well, I, you know, I was really fortunate that my mother was really supportive uh, with any instrument that I wanted to pick up. I, I found early that I could, you know, I could listen to something that I heard on the radio and, you know, as a young kid, play it on piano pretty quickly and, and learn by ear. Um, so I got into music, uh, piano lessons, actually, and went through like the Royal Conservatory, which was a lot of like classical music, which as a kid, isn't like the, you know, the most edgy stuff, but I, I stuck with it and I had a lot of support with uh, also a music teacher at my elementary school who then his wife was my piano teacher. So uh, once or twice a week, I would stay after school and he would give me a ride to his house to get a, a lesson with his, with his piano teaching teacher wife. And uh, during that hour before we would leave, uh, I had an hour to, you know, experiment in the music room. And uh, that's when I fell in love with the drums and then, you know, uh, stuck with that and piano. And then in high school, I just, I wanted to form a band. I knew I wasn't going to be like a football player. You know, I needed to find a way to, to be cool, I guess. And uh, so the Three Days Grace really formed in, in the ninth grade for us. So uh, wow. I was 14, 14 years wow. old. And like, <laughs> that is you, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Were you self-taught with the drums? Like when you sat down to play, I played the piano my whole life, but I could never just sit down and do another instrument. I had to like really study the piano and the sheet music and everything that my teacher was teaching me. But for you, I mean, when you decided, Hey, I'm just going to go try out these, this drum set sitting over here. Did you teach yourself that? More, more or less wow. I did. And, and actually, actually I play open-handed. So I technically, I play left-handed and right-footed, which is a bit odd, but it's, it's becoming a little bit more prevalent now. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit backwards in that respect, but um, it, it was it was only when I got a little bit more um, into it and actually like the band was, you know, we were in college, but we, we were getting some attention in Toronto at the time. And I was meeting a lot of other drummers and it was only then that I really started learning about the marching rudiments and how important in, in like incorporating your marching rudiments. And there, there are several of them that are really intricate patterns, sticking patterns that you can incorporate that into rock drumming. And as soon as I learned that, everything changed. And, and, you know, I look at it now, like, man, I wish someone had shown me that when I was 10, you know, but now when, uh, when it, when young kids say, Hey, you know, for an aspiring drummer, do you have any advice? And I'm always like, listen, I know it's going to be boring 
and it's not going to feel like you're rocking like you want everybody wants to rock sit down and learn all the marching rudiments and then you will and then there will be rock yeah wow that's so cool no wonder i was no good in music I couldn't read. You just wanted to rock. I left-handed, and I couldn't make a glove. I couldn't make a toe save on my right. I, I was all backwards. And 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 my grade four math math uh, music teacher, Mrs. Meeker, uh, Howie Meeker's sister, told me, "Enough. Oh, wow. You're just no good, kid. You're just no good. You just don't have it. Some guys have it. Some guys don't, huh? Yeah. You you can't teach somebody that can't read music or understand it. It just can't happen." Is that right? There is. Some, I think there is something about, you know, tapping into, you know, because all music is, is just a collection of frequencies, you know, and, and some are homo- harmonious and some are aharmonious. And I think um, maybe just some people hear it differently than others, just like everything, everything else in life. You know, some people just perceive things differently and may, and sometimes raw talent is born out of that difference in perception. And hey Neil, how did you guys uh, come up with the rest of the band? Where, did you guys go to school together or just lived in the area? Yeah. So uh, basically, um, Adam, our, our old lead singer, um, and I met in the ninth grade and we formed the band then. Um, he then moved to a little town outside of, you know, the big city that we were living in of 80,000 people. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and and so, you know, he kind of that was it. I was kind of like, oh, this isn't this isn't cool. Um, so I sort of followed him out there. I didn't change schools, but, um, you know, as soon as I got my driver. Well, I only had my learner's permit, but I, my mother didn't completely understand what version of license I had. So, uh, I was driving, I was, I was driving, fully driving. (laughs) Uh, and I was driving out to this little town that Adam had moved out to. And then we sort of, the band morphed a little bit there. And, uh, and that's really when we started cutting our teeth and we were, you know, it's a small country town. So there'd be, you know, local fairs, and we'd play on the hay wagon for the talent show, you know, and uh, we would play any any place that would would have us. You know, we opened for a movie once. I remember that uh, we played a wedding. It was a loud wedding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and that was kind of really the birth of it. We and we decided let's move to Toronto as a band, um, even though, we, you know, we were going to school in Peterborough and Toronto and around the area. We moved to Toronto we met the right people uh, and had the right resources to record and experiment. And one night at four o'clock in the morning, we wrote a song called I hate everything about you. And uh, the person that was sort of uh, supporting us and investing in our career at that point said, you know, I knew you guys had it in you. You did it. He flew to New York city with that song. Um, and we, we had American record label labels coming up and, and, you know, uh, trying to sign us all over the place. And I, my life changed forever. That's incredible. I like so growing up. Who did, were some? Did you say the song was "I Hate Everything About You"? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that today is our still our our biggest song in in twenty years. So yeah, it uh, it just and it just went. You know, it it was a. Uh, it's funny because it you know people think wow you just went from nothing to like stardom in overnight and I was like no 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 no, no I didn't. I, we were 14, yeah. you know, <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah, no one saw your early days and your, you know, ninth grade and 10th grade and all the times you were trying to aspire to be something great. And, um, you know, who were some of your musical ins- inspirations um, growing up or, you know, did you like certain bands and want to mimic them or drummers? Yeah, for sure. I think, well, my brother's eight years older than me and he was, and so it was a lot of Led Zeppelin and a lot of Black mm-hmm. Sabbath. And I just remember I, one of my earliest re- memories 
of just like being attacked, like drawn to music that I'm hearing in a distance and not knowing why. Uh, I remember thinking that the, there was something about the rhythm and the drums that was different than anything I'd ever heard, you know, being seven years old or what, eight years old or whatever. And I knew that there was something special about that. And it turns out that that was, that was the Led Zeppelin that my, my brother was listening to. And obviously like they're, that rhythm section is like nothing that's ever been or ever maybe ever will be. Yeah. And so it's interesting now looking back as a kid, I was, I was picking up on that and I didn't quite know why. Um, and it turns out is because it's, yeah, it's, it's just uh, never been done before. And I think that that really was that kind of, you know, put the stake in the ground for drumming for me. It's so cool. It's a what, similar what Canadian bands or what Canadian bands influenced you. You know the you know the uh, there's a band that really influenced us called uh, Finger Eleven, and they um, they've had huge songs in the U.S. Um, you know they're a pretty eclectic band. They have a couple different sounds, but their early records, you know, we were like basically like that's who we want to be. We want to sound like that. We wanted to produce like that, and uh, now we're you know we're good friends with them and stuff like that. Yeah, small world. That is, yeah, that is a small world. I was going to ask you because I'm a, I'm a huge Dave Grohl fan, um, mm -hmm. big Foo Fighters fan, but just love, love, love Dave Grohl. I read his book last year and it's a really similar um, story from childhood as to what you're describing. Just the fact that he was this kid that had this itch. He knew he had a special talent. He knew he had a gift. He didn't want to go out and play with the kids in the street. He wanted to literally be home. And it was his mom that helped him get, you know, where he wanted to be because she allowed him to just sow those creative oats at home and figure it out. Yeah. But I'm fascinated by his desire and need to be like, he never feels like he's got it quite right. He's not where he wants to be still like continuing to aspire for greatness. And I'm like, you're Dave yeah. Roll, you know? And I, I wonder if you kind of feel that way too. Like we feel it as broadcasters, we never quite get a show, right? Even if it's the best one we've had yet. But do you ever feel that way where you're like, oh, we can do it so differently or we can be better in this area? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, it, it is hard to take the brush off the canvas. I think that that's yeah. one analogy that I make. And uh, that's why I could never be a mixer when it comes to mixing a record, because you're really the last the last thing before it goes public. So, uh, though, you know, you really have to trust your instincts that it's at the point where it can't get any better <laughs> in your hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as, as, as far as like growing up with it and like the, the reference with Dave Grohl, I, I got to say, like, you know, one thing, um, you know, my mother, she was she was like just super supportive i mean it, it was the drums and it was so loud and she 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 didn't really get to see three days grace like really kind of when it ramped off but it's in hindsight just seeing like she was the one that enabled the whole thing we lived like 30 seconds from the high school so i was the we had the jam house and uh you know we'd go for lunch and jam so yeah it was always that you had to have that support system sound like dave Grohl had it as well which is key you know um yeah as far as just just striving for more um I think it's it's we I ha, Brad who's in our bass player and I we talk a lot about how there's going to be plenty of time when we can sit you know on the porch and talk, and you know reflect and you know have ch chuckles and you know whatever uh, about all the good times and all the craziness and stuff but right now is still the time for us to keep our heads down mm -hmm. and just like do the work and we can like, we can look at all you know there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done you know what yeah, i mean I like yeah. and that's how nice. we think and rogers out of boy yeah <laughs> you know and and i i think that we're still in that and and you know uh but along the way 
the even though we get, don't get wrapped up in stats and records and stuff, we the, we've had some amazing achievements, and and we consider those still um, a reflection of of the of having the fans there for us. You know, mm-hmm. all you know, if we didn't have those fans, and we wouldn't have the the radio airplay and the support and the ticket sales and all that that make this whole thing possible. Hey Neil, we were talking uh, back in Dallas in the dressing room before you guys went on. How amazing it is! You guys are selling out all these arenas throughout the world. Uh, you guys came off that huge Europe tour. You're throughout the U.S. What are some of your favorite cities or countries that you guys have been to, or or maybe like the biggest audience that hardcore fan of yours? Oh man, so many. Um, well, we we were actually going to Russia a lot uh, before all the, all the nonsense happened um, with the war and stuff. I mean, we had been there uh, like six times um, and it was just incredible. The first time we went there, we didn't know what to expect. We were kind of just, we were just taking a chance because we had been getting all of this, all of these messages from, you know, Russian fans and Facebook. And there's actually another it's like Facebook. It's called VK.com. It's a, it's an Eastern European version of Facebook. We didn't even realize it existed at the time. It's massive, you know? And so when, yeah, we were like, when we first were learning about it, um, you know, the promoter that was like really ambitious to get us over there was saying like, Oh yeah. Um, you need to meet this guy who's your head of your community on VK.com. We're like, okay, yeah, maybe we will. They're like, no, no, no. It's got 125,000 members. We're like, what <laughs> we're, like, we're like okay and they're, they're like we're gonna book you for eight cities and if we, we put on eight cities on sale in russia and they just sold out instantly so we added like eight more we did the first time we went there we played 16 russian cities like wow. in deep siberia like right near kazakhstan like uh kazan and uh you know moscow obviously uh, and it was just like nothing we've ever seen. And so I have to say the most beautiful city I've ever seen is St. Petersburg, Russia. Mm, it, it is wow. just, it's got the yeah. canals and at night it's all lit up and there's these, you know, these dinner boats you can go on. And it's, so, you know, it's a bit of a drag that we're not going to be there for the foreseeable future. And um, I think that there's like a stigma attached with that, with that part of the world where there it's, there are so, I have, I met so many great people over there who are, want to live life just like we are and wake up and just be happy and enjoy family and, and, you know, and thrive. And, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of sad that we, we can't go there <laughs> right now. Uh, but I love, and I know, uh, I, I know Craig, you've been down there and you speak pretty highly of it. I always love me some Brazil, uh, you know, Sao Paulo and Rio and uh, you get, you know, you have a Caipirinha by the beach and you get, oh, you, nice. know, you go and you eat as, as my much language now. <laughs> yeah, you go to that restaurant where you can eat as much meat off a stick as you could possibly eat. Yeah, uh, you <laughs> know, and, yep. yeah, yeah. I re- I do remember the hockey puck, red or green, red or green. Yeah, and even if it's red, <laughs> they st- they're still bringing you meat. You know, <laughs> uh, one one morning, and you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the caipirinha, but it's made from a it's made from an alcohol called cochaso, which is mm-hmm. distilled from sugarcane. And uh, it's rather strong, but smooth. Um, <laughs> and it was the first time we were in Rio. So we got into the Caipirinhas by the beach, having a great time. And the next morning, I did not feel so well. Not at all. Now, we're staying, the hotel that we were staying at is right at the beach at Copacabana Beach, look, overlooking the beach. And, and I've never felt, you know, this was like a degree of shame that I hadn't really felt before because here I am. You know, I hadn't seen the sun in probably, you know, I don't know, in a very long time. And uh, and and I'm like, be a song I'm, there. Two, 
too hungover to go outside. I open the blinds, okay? All I see are thousands of super fit, tanned Brazilians, like beach volleyball and and running uh, and like and like swimming and surfing and all this stuff. And you see people like, you know, there's people like parachuting and all this. And here I am just sitting like there, just just like gray and hung over. And I'm just like, Neil, you piece of shit. <laughs> Get out of bed, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, probably, uh, probably one of the same hotels. I was down in Rio doing beach volleyball for the Olympics a couple years ago. And we stayed, same thing, stayed right on Copacabana Beach. The beach volleyball venue was on the beach across the street from my hotel. Oh, I mean, yeah. my commute was like, you know, 20 yards up to the, to the, yeah. but it was the same thing. And like the, the, the energy and the flair and yeah. the Brazilian mentality and mindset, it was just, it was palpable. You could feel it everywhere. It was so exciting. There, there's an element of uh, of daily of just celebrating life a little bit, you know, down there that I feel. I, another place that I've, I and I'm heading there here in a few weeks uh, is Costa Rica. Um, I, I love Costa Rica. They they have a their their motto is Pura Vida, which is pure life. And there's that I kind of get that same vibe of just you know you're sort of on island time, even though it's not an island, uh, but just you know, just a little bit. You can slow down and kind of sink into the nature a little bit. And you know, I think that that. There's something just, I don't know, oceanic of, of, about that or something yeah. that like being by the ocean kind of brings sure. that out of me for sure. So, yeah. How many people are traveling I'll, with you when you're I'll going to these is it, is it like, like, is it a whole, you know, traveling circus of people? Like about how many are part of your production and your, your staff? Um, normally anywhere from 12 to, to 20, depending on oh, if wow. we're carrying our own production. So yeah. like for the last tour, we basically, um, we had a production bus, so we would carry because we carried all of our own sound equipment and everything. Um, but it was a with that one, it was a co-headliner with Chevelle. So we basically have a third bus that we are, you know, we have people that are running, helping run the show. Um, so it, it kind of depends. Yeah, but it's all one big sort of moving, happy family of sweaty, smelly yeah. dudes. A lot like hockey. A lot like yeah, exactly. Sounds great, up. actually. I like yeah, that. Absolutely. It is until a, it's, you know. It, Neil, you, yeah. During during real big hockey games, or maybe like for example, last year when the uh, when the Leafs finally, I'm from Ottawa, so I was a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up. When the Leafs finally won their first uh, playoff series since '04, do you guys have that ability on the bus? Are you watching games? Are you fully tuned into whoever, whatever your I know your favorite team's Toronto, but whatever the other guys are. Oh yeah, oh, 100%. We watched uh, we watch a lot of the games. In fact, uh, actually, it was it was a pretty cool experience. Um, yeah, we were in, uh, we were in Chicago recently, uh, in, well, it was during the playoffs last year. And, um, one of my good friends is Luke, Rich Luke Richardson. He's, he and I are really, love, really tight. Love he's, uh, yeah. yeah. He's, and uh, that's great, great guy. He's one of the good, one of the good guys. And, uh, so, um, you know, he's obviously head coach of the Blackhawks. Oh, cause you're, um, you're a Peterborough guy. Well, let me put this together here. He's a Peterborough Pete and you're a Peterborough guy. I grew up yeah. with Luke in Ottawa. That's that now the tie-ins right here. Okay. Okay. Making sense. Yeah. Love it. And uh, and yeah. and so the lead, we were going on stage. He came out to a three days grace show, and but we ha still had some time to kill. And the you know the Leafs were were playing a game, and it was pretty. I think it was a pretty important game. I can't remember which one it was, but what was really cool. I've never you never think of it like how different of an experience it would be to watch a hockey game with a NHL head coach. Like he was talking about things that I would never, you'd never see, you know, just being like a regular guy watching it. 
Um, but just, you know, just the patterns and just explaining how they are breaking out. And, uh, and, and that was a really cool experience. And, um, he, he had a lot to say about the importance of the video coach these days and kind of what happens, um, you know, after the period there's, there's kind of a, you know, there's an important meeting that takes place a lot of time between like head coach, a video coach where they really quickly kind of go through and prioritize the few items that they're going to bring up in the dressing room to, to motivate the guys and you know, how they have to prioritize what, what, you know, you can't just drop 10 to 12 things on a team of guys and expect them to execute everything. So that was just really cool uh, to, to get that perspective uh, while watching the game, you know, and um, I think, I think the game, I think that that. mainly mattered. It mainly mattered about what draft pick they were getting. I think that's Uh, why. Oh, here we go. (laughs) But it's it's interesting you say that too, Neil, because now I'm with the Blackhawks and now I'm with Luke all the time. And I'll throw a shout out to his two video coaches because they're both smart asses. So I'm going to Adam Gill is one of them and Matt Meacham is the other one. And uh, every time I come out after a game, whether I say something stupid or somebody else does or whatever, they look at me and they've got this look on their eyes like, oh, and I'm like, OK, what what happened? What happened during the game? What did I say? What did he say? Um, so anyway, these guys are great. You're right about the camaraderie and the, the teaching mechanism of the video coach. I mean, that's uh, that that's an area that. Five, six years ago, you might have had one guy and he wasn't really that experienced. Now they've got two and three video coaches right. during the course of a game. I'm sure the Leafs, because the Leafs staff is the largest staff I've ever seen. I mean, they probably have oh, 12 man. video coaches and probably 15 analytics guys just breaking down the video coaches during games. So well, it, based on really how a great deal. Based upon how much the popcorn uh, costs when I took my son the other night, it sounds like, yeah, they could probably, that's why they can afford a staff like that is, uh, yeah. No. I was going to say, based on their success rate as of late, they should maybe eliminate the positions. What's that? <laughs> In Canadian dollars? Woo, it was up there. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, they're, they're, great. they're a great team. I, I mean, they, they look awesome right now. I mean, I, I think that uh, they got a lot going on. Right Neil, now. last year in the, uh, in the playoffs, I had, Yeah, there's something there's there. That's a well-oiled machine there. When when they won that, I'm going to go back to Toronto for a second because it was an important time. It was the first win since 04. And I, I actually did that with Steve Levy. Niner, you might have been with me at ESPN. In, in, in 04, the Leafs beat uh, Ottawa, I think, in game seven. Neuendijk's goal down the wing on Patrick Lalim, if I'm not mistaken. And that, they hadn't won a playoff series since then. And then I, I did the series with, uh, with, with Brendan Burke uh, in 2020. Three, like so, it was an amazing time and experience. After that win, Neil, as a passionate fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, was it just too high? Like that disappointment, because I also did the next series against Florida, and it just went bang, and it was gone just like that. I mean, how how did that feel as a as? And I'm not rubbing in, but how did it feel as a Leaf fan going from such a high echelon to bang? <laughs> it's over already. Well, I think that's, I mean, uh, well, you know, I think the Leafs have demonstrated that history can repeat itself in that, in that, (laughs) unfortunately, in that way. Uh, I don't know. I think with the Leafs, you're, it's, you're, it's a lifer thing. You're a fan for life. You're not, I mean, there's no jumping ship. So you kind of just got to ride the highs and lows. It's all part of the thing, you know? Uh, But like right now, it's pretty cool right now to think of like how many stars we have. Yeah. Like we're like, yeah, I, I mean, if you ever thought of a stacked team, I think we, we are pretty, pretty stacked with just, you know, if, if we, if we have like strengthened the uh, defense a little bit, I think that this, it's a real, like this could be very special, you know, of a team. So. 
Uh, yeah, I'm for sure. Goalie, St. Louis, Joseph Wall. He's good. I like him. He is really good. Yeah, he's very like good. I'm heading. I'm going yeah. to the game Saturday as well. Saturday against the Predators, I believe. Nice. Oh, nice. Nashville. That's a good one. Do you, yeah. do you ever play down in Nashville? Do you ever get an opportunity to play in front of that yeah, crowd? Yeah, we've we've played we've we've played Bridgestone Arena before. Right. Um, yeah, I love Nashville. It's changed That's a lot. Really of it's a little yeah. it's a little wild these days now. It's uh, yeah. But I would imagine like, playing there. Yeah, like you've just... got such a variety of people in attendance. You've got country music fans. You've got rock and roll fans, heavy metal, whatever it is. Like there's just so much. It's not just all country down there, which I think is probably yeah. a misperception. But you probably feel that when you play in that venue. Oh yeah. It's, it's so eclectic down there now. I mean, <laughs> when you look around, it's like the bachelorette capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's like the, yeah, just the history down there. And uh, um, yeah, the pred, I mean, you know, if the preds, they're always, you know, they're a good team. Actually uh, um, Mike Fisher's from, I uh, went to same high school as me. His older brother uh, um, is, uh, was a, uh, in my grade and yeah, it's a small a town. Peterborough is like a real, real major hockey town, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't his brother a panger growing up though, Neil? Pardon me? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, I just asked, wasn't his goal. Wasn't fish his brother. Well, I think he was a goalie growing up. Yeah. There's Rob, his older brother. And then there's Bud Fisher, his younger brother. But, uh, yeah. It was Bud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Everybody yeah. Yeah, there, in the family. Yeah. Bud Fisher, he's got a, he's got a great uh, Instagram uh, called catching deers and it's like a hunting. Yes, he does. Uh, and he's got a, he's got an alter ego named Rut Daniels and he does like, uh, he does some comedy and stuff, but he also, oh, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a really, uh, I don't know if you remember the red green show, but it's very much like that. <laughs> awesome. So as a, as a, as a fellow Canadian, can I throw this at you? Is it, if you have a couple of beers, is it a couple of beer or a couple of beers? If you catch a couple oh, of beers, beers, is it deers or deer? Uh, well, it's not deer. Okay. Catch now, catching deers is definitely a play. I think that people would look at you funny if you said that. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, but a couple of beers is a couple of beers. Yeah. Speaking of, nice. <laughs> now this. Well, these are called. These are actually called near beers. They're near beers. I'm partaking, but there's no alcohol. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's nice. yeah, you can enjoy a beer with and still, you know, go for a jog after, I guess. I, mean. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you guys do it night in and night out because that after Dallas, I couldn't even recover for two days. My liver, my <laughs> liver was done. This is a commercial. This is becoming a commercial for partake near beers. That's how we do it. Um, no, you oh, know, you got to stay, you got to stay healthy out there. Um you have a dangerous amount of freedom out on the road. I'm sure a lot of hockey players can attest to that. I mean, you know, the hockey being on the road is a little more regimented. I mean, you got a coach breathing down your neck and stuff. And with the rock band thing, you don't have that. You're the boss. Like, you know, we are the bosses and it kind of, and, and so you have to really self-discipline and it's really important because you can go, I mean, you can just imagine yeah. a rock concert to everybody going there is a party. Right. Everybody, you know, and, and you, you have lots, you know, you got friends that you've met or you got cousins that are in town and you got and you're hosting all these people. And so and everybody, it's a party. And, and for a while there, for a very long time, for me, it was a party, too, because it's a big rock star thing. And everybody's, yeah, big energy. And and uh, but that can, you know, obviously all the health can health reasons are there. It's not sustainable. And just 
hydration if you're you know as a drummer it's like if i go up there dehydrated i'm in a lot of trouble you know yeah, yeah. And, uh, so yeah so and you see yeah. and you know you if you, you see a lot of bands out there a lot of the bigger bands now there they are you know a lot of bands have got, are sober because you do realize that it's just i mean you can't it's not sustainable you'll you'll you know go down a path and so um that's been the that's been kind of the key to the longevity is and you got to find a way you got to find things out there that you enjoy you know other than partying so for me it's been golf i love playing golf you know you can you get to see it's a great way to see the world right it's just like play an 18 on a day off you don't know where you are and you know that's cool what what changed for you neil when did you notice like okay this crazy rock star life is not sustainable. I want my career to be sustainable, but I can't burn the wick at both ends. Like, was there a turning point for you? Yeah. It's just when, when you start to become nocturnal, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because the, you, you play the rock show at nine at night and you play until 11. And then, you know, for the next 45 minutes, I like to like, I got to wind down. I have a glass of wine. I I'm in my robe. I like to, I need that. And then there's going to be some sort of social afterwards, meet and greet. You meet the promoters, all this kind of stuff. The bus isn't leaving till 3 a.m. because just because, and yeah. you play the next day and, you know, you got to sleep while at night. And then the next day you don't play till 9 p.m. either. So sometimes you get into that thing where you're like, well, why wake up early if I if I have to be on at 9 p.m.? And then you start turning into a vampire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, as you get older, it's like if you're wasting daylight, then you're wasting your life. That's just a yeah. fact, you know, and it I don't know. I'm I'm in my 40s now. You start maybe it took me 40 years to realize like daylight <laughs> is very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> it's sleep sleeping on the bunks on the bus. Uh think recently didn't you happen to fall out of one i did i did i i'm gonna blame the bus driver i think uh you know i did hear some rumble strips i that rumble strips but that could have just been the uh head trauma uh i'm not sure um <laughs> no I, I i whacked my face pretty good yeah i whacked my face pretty good it looked it looked tough i should have Niner, I should have just said that I was, you know, I was had to take a couple guys out, you know. Bottom bunk. Yeah. I was in the middle and I whacked my head off of the railing of the bottom. So oh, not good. Left a good mark the on you. The reason bunk beds are for little kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Good stuff. What's next for you guys? What's you uh, the slap shot bus? I know. Yeah. Right. Uh, what's up? Well, what's up for next for, I'm going hunting. Actually, I don't know if you can see here. There's my, there's a, oh, nice. that yeah. was Bambi's uncle. That was oh, Bambi's yeah. uncle. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going, actually there's uh, the season, the season started today for one week. It's muzzle loader season. So I'm actually on like a, I have, I've got like 80 acres up here. I'm very, very lucky where I live. And, uh, and so for one week, you can use a musket. Out. It, it's a musket, basically. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a black powder gun. And so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to sit in a tree with a black powder gun for until dark. That's what I'm doing. I don't know if you, did you mean today or do you mean like in the future? Hey, that I, is unbelievable. I'm not even going to tell you what I meant because I love that answer. So we're good. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I love it. See, people don't answer. think Canadians have guns, but this is, this is like a... Uh, this is actually a muzzle loading gun. You got to put the powder down and uh, it's a muzzle loader, but it's got a, unlike the civil war, this one has a red dot scope. <laughs> very, cool. very, very cool. And you'll be out there till dark waiting into, and you have to sit from my understanding, my friends at hunt, you have to sit like perfectly still and silent, right? 
More, yeah, definitely, yeah, silent for sure. And you got to move slowly. The biggest thing is that you need to be downwind. If you're upwind of like wherever you're trying to hunt, like no, like no deer is going to come near you because they their sense of smell is uh, is like more than a hound dog. So really, it's the name of the game with deer is is the smell is the scent game. You can't stink, which is you know tough for us guy hardworking guys sometimes. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And just kind of playing the wind and you never quite know it's, it's a lot of luck, but it's not really about the, you know, for me, it's not about the, the killing it's about getting out there and, you know, it's as close to meditation as I get, you know, everything quiets down. You're enjoying the nature. Yeah. Chilly, a little chilly freezing toes. When will you guys go back out on tour? is outstanding. It is. Well, yeah. Being out in the forest, you'd like, it, it's amazing. You're out there for an hour and how your senses tune right into to the forest you know you just yeah it's 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 i like it but uh well, as far as touring we're taking a little you know it's this is kind of a pretty for us a pretty substantial break i mean we've been thinking about maybe not touring much next year and you know we may play a handful of shows here or there but um we're focused on getting back to the drawing board next year um where we we have we've compiled 20 years of video footage and i'm just going through it now for the first time um and like we we could you know we may might make like a mini documentary or something like that that just shows the 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 the, the, tra- the uh, you know journey and um yeah and just I think we'll be creative by the end of next year I imagine we'll have a handful of songs that we'll want to record and then and then the wheels will fire up and turn once again. That's awesome. Well, maybe we'll yeah, get, get you again get on that documentary, you. Neil. Yes. Hey. Yeah, hey guys, I, I we, had. We travel all the time. I download a lot of documentaries. I love. I love bands. I love uh, just watched one on the plane. It was Oasis. There, it was just oh, that yeah. simple. That concert in England, and and it was just so. Yeah. I I just love it. So get on that forest, big guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, over the years, and I'm glad that I did. Um, you know, uh, we bought. We always had those. You know, cam- video cameras, the mini DV cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, with yeah. the little tapes, and I was just constantly filming everything. And now, 20 years later, we've got basically the whole chronological journey of Three Days Grace on tour, and that. Awesome. And but before I send the copies to the other guys, I have to. Uh, I have to like go through a little bit and get rid of like, you know, uh, the tapes of like my babies being born. Um, my wife doesn't want me to send those tapes out to the guys. <laughs> no, I don't blame her. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> a, little too, a little too intimate. <laughs> yeah. Nia, yeah. What about the new project you're working on? You get, you get your own record label you're working on now. Yeah. So uh, I have a, I have a, a label called judge and jury records. That's uh, really gained a lot of traction over the last few years. Um, I was really fortunate to to be you know brought under uh, the wing of of producer Howard Benson. Um, he's like multiple Grammy winning producer. He, you know Kelly Clarkson and Chris Daughtry and Three Days Grace, Papa Roach. You know list goes on and on. Um, and he wanted a, a co producer, and that's how it started. So we co produced a project together, and it went so well. We said you know maybe we can consider this something bigger, and uh, so we produced a couple more records together. We did the three days latest three days grace record. And then, you know, we just decided um, instead of, you know, making stuff and trying to find a partner or a home to release this music, why don't we just create our own record label? 
um, and just release it ourselves. And we put together a really lean, mean um, promotional on uh, promotional marketing team who they understand like, you know, the, all, all the algorithmic stuff when it comes to promoting your music online and, and sharing it and all that. When I hear algorithm, I run the other way personally. I don't like that word, <laughs> but, uh, but we've got a really smart, smart team. And, um, and and some great experience in there, and and we've we've already had our first number one at American Rock Radio with uh, uh, a song called "Thank You." Yeah, it was uh, uh, the band Star Set featuring uh, Breaking Benjamin. The song's called "Waiting on the Sky to Change." Um, so that was our real first. You know, uh, uh, it was my first experience seeing it from the other side, from the label side, um, and I've learned so much. And it's just you do get that same feeling though as as being in the band when you release something. You, you've, it's like you feel like you've been just working on something and tinkering with it until it's the best that you can make it. And there's that moment where you just you throw it into the air and you hold your breath and you hope that it flies, you know, and, and when it takes off and it does fly and you read the comments that, oh, I love this song and I hear my own life in the lyrics of this song and stuff. It is the most gratifying feeling ever because you made it from scratch. It came from your head and your heart. And then you get to like, you know hear what the rest of the world thinks of it. And it's, it's just such a great feeling, you know? That's awesome. Cool stuff. Well, we, uh, this we look great. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it all right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Check it out. We're, uh, yeah, we we're, we're, uh, we're just, we're cruising along. we got a lot of music. Uh, we're next year is going to be an exciting year for us. Well, we're glad we got you now then when you don't get too, too busy. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're really excited, Neil, that you joined us. Um, so awesome to hear your story and, and, um, <laughs> Yeah, we can't wait for more musical releases from uh, Three Days Grace, and and we wish you happy holidays and everything moving forward. So hopefully, thanks. Grace with you again as as things take off. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I hopefully with any luck today, I'll have maybe some venison jerky for you guys. I'll nice. I'll, I'll smuggle some across the border for you. Sounds <laughs> we, great. We love it. We love it. <laughs> have Perfect. fun out there hunting. Thanks so much, All right. Neil. Take care, Neil. guys. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, guys. Neil. Appreciate it, buddy. Good, in the good playoffs, luck. Neil. Good okay. luck to your Leafs. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Oh, guys, that was so much fun. And I love uh, hearing about his interests and his hunting interests and his love of hockey. I mean, he took his son the other night. He's going again on Saturday night. It's just um, a, a really well-rounded conversation there with um, with a really high-level musician that, I mean, I thought we were so lucky to get on. So thanks, Niner, for bringing, bringing a friend to work day today. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? Uh, we are very fortunate yeah. to have Neil on today. Yeah, no doubt, Niner. That was great. And, um, you know, one of the things that we were, you know, Anytime we have a guest on, we just don't have enough time to talk about everything, no. you know, and, and Neil got into talking about his uh, his new record label that he has and wanted to give him a shout out, too, because he's also starting a new whiskey called Souvenirs by Three Chord Whiskey. So I can't wait for uh, that to come out and to, to try that. But, uh, you know, just to learn a little bit, you know, we know him as rock stars, but we want to learn like, hey, I'm an average Joe. I take my son to a Maple Leafs game. I go hunting. Those are things that a lot of our guests and and even myself didn't even know. I didn't even know he was a big hunter. So to hear about that is uh, is really cool. And uh, boy, oh boy, are they doing a great job and and they're killing it. And uh, I look forward to their next tour. And then three chords is is unique because he's a drummer. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. You know, but it but it, it it does sound good. It's it's got a nice ring to it for sure. And and the fact that uh, I think what's most impressive is that he learned to begin with by being on the piano and same thing with you kt you yeah. you learned playing the piano and he was with the what did he not say the royal conservation 
Is is that right? And then he then he picked up drums after that. So piano yep. first, and he he was you know he broadened his uh, his skill level after that. And just talk, listen to him talk about the drums and the rhythm of the drums, and you, you can tell he's a genius. I I mean just oh, yeah. even from my simple you know music mind because I I love listening to music, but I I can't you know I'm I'm just no good at anything to go do with music, <laughs> but I love it all. So. Um, so it was great to listen to him, but the other part of it is I got to apologize to him because I probably think that I'm, you know, I'm not rubbing in the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, a lot of people think that's, that, that happens, you know, they haven't won since 1967, you know, and then, uh, and like, then they had the right? in 04 to 2000. <laughs> Toronto and Toronto Maple Leafs fans right. are. You live and die and breathe with yep. every single success and failure. There's so many ups and downs with the, those Leafs fans. It's only because they haven't won in a long time. So once they do that, if they do that again, then uh, boy, that whole that whole city will sigh a, a, like really take a deep breath and maybe even get it a little even keel. But it was a real pleasure uh, to talk to him and be a part of this conversation with him. Yeah, it was indeed for sure. Uh, we were happy to have him, and hey, once hey, once that documentary comes out next year, I'm very curious to see all that behind the scenes footage over the last 20 years. And great on him for not necessarily having the foresight to do it because I don't think he re realized at the time what this would mean 20 years from now. But the fact that he has this content and is going to be able to share it with his fan base, and you know, maybe even grow his um, you know grow his portfolio even more with a with a great documentary. I mean, that's so cool. And anytime you get a unique perspective behind the scenes with that old school video of anybody, an artist, an athlete, um, a dignitary, you know, anybody. I just think it's it's fascinating to go back in time and see how challenging things were then, what the challenges are now, how they made the most right. difficult situations. You know, it's it's so I wish him the best luck. I hope he does get that together and, and afterwards maybe he'll come back on the Back to You podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. Look forward to it. Absolutely. He'll be back on anytime. Love it. Well, thanks everybody for listening back to you. Uh, of course you can follow us on all of our social media channels at back to you show. That's the number two in there. And we hope you've enjoyed our guests. We thank Neil Sanderson for joining us and we look forward to seeing you guys next time. Till then. Bye guys. Sounds good. Great job. KT Diner. See you guys. Here you go.